Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. Today I'm joined by Stan Jastrzewski, the news director of WFIU, and we're going to be talking with uh, three people who are very involved in private education in Monroe County. Our guests today are Denise Lesso of Pinnacle School, Alec Mayer, the principal of St. Charles, and Steve Rock Bonjek. Did you drop the Steve yet? Everybody knows you as Rock. Rock Bonjek of Harmony School. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can join us on the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Well, welcome to everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. All right. First uh, live show of the new year. We're very excited about being here. Stan, it's always good to be with you. Likewise. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's start by just, you know, giving sort of the profiles of your schools. Um, Denise, you're actually the – your school is younger than the other two. So talk about Pinnacle, what your mission is, and why you feel like it's an important addition to the educational options. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Um, Pinnacle is a K-12 nonprofit organization. We primarily serve students with dyslexia and related information processing differences. And we have a full-time K-12 program, but we also have summer academy, after-school tutoring, and a pretty extensive diagnostic testing service. And we serve a regional audience of about eight counties currently. How many students? We have 70 at the moment. And how, how are you funded? We're all privately funded and through mm-hmm. tuition, grants, other fees. Okay. And uh, Harmony, Rock? Well, Harmony's been around since 1974, and we uh, serve nearly 200 students from 18-year-olds uh, down to 3-year-olds. The um, Harmony, as a not-for-profit organization, also operates Rhino's Youth Center downtown and also operates a national uh, consulting organization called the National School Reform Faculty that works with actually public schools and private schools all through the country on school reform. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alec, St. Charles? St. Charles is a private K-8 through Catholic school. We do have preschool and a daycare as well. We are solely tuition-based. All our money, uh, our operating budget comes from either our parish or uh, what we collect in tuition. And we also have a summer institute program that uh, is uh, goes throughout the summer, two week blocks at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and why do each of you think that? You know, what what role do your does your school play that the public school system can't play? Alec, let's. Well, I think for us, um, you know, we're part of the archdiocese of Indianapolis and part of the the Catholic community, and the Catholic community educates about two point six million children a day, and. Um, in our, in, our, in our particular instance, uh, we have about 450 students, and uh, it just helps lighten the burden of the, the public schools. It also um, allows us to uh, educate our children in the faith. While 85% of our children are Catholic, we do have 15% that are not Catholic, so um, we're open to everybody. Why would a non-Catholic come to St. Charles? Um, I like to say because we're the best. <laughs> um, we're uh, we're we we have a a, a quality education. Uh, we're the top seven percent in the state of Indiana when it comes to test scores. Um, Ninety-seven point six. We, we we just had a um, a thing come out in the in our in my weekly note from the Office of Catholic Education that says 97.6% of our students that go through Catholic school, graduate high school, and go on to post-secondary secondary and post-secondary education. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Rock Harmony has, a, as you said, a long history starting in 1974. Um, talk about you know, your mission and you know, why you think you are a uh, complement or something different from the, the public school system, and how, how things have changed for Harmony over the years. Well, the number of students we've served certainly have changed. We started with four students in 1974, four high school students, and as I said, now we have nearly 218 year olds to three-year-olds. The, um, I think Harmony provides an opportunity uh, for the public schools in the sense that we tried a lot of new ideas at Harmony. Uh, project-based learning that now is very popular in public schools and the new charter school here in town as well. Um, 
professional development, professional learning communities that also is something that's been embraced by the local public school system. It's something Harmony's been involved with since 1995. The, um, the bat, and then we also are not limited by state regulations as to what we can do. So we uh, are not test-oriented. We assess students in different ways than through I-STEP. And um, those are oppor- those, that's not necessarily an opportunity for the public school system, but those are certainly opportunities for parents and students that want to look, uh, have opportunities not to be uh, in a highly test-oriented environment. We also um, uh, can de- structure our day in so many different ways because any of the, the basically any of the, the the design of harmony is sort of self it's self created and self imposed and so the way also it's changed over the years is as new students come in as societies mores and and ideas change we try to be responsive and as our teachers now we have teachers that have been there since 1974 like myself but some of us some people have begun to retire and. Um, the new teachers that come in come in with new, fresh ideas. And so, again, Harmony, while we have a tradition of certain structures that we want to maintain, we also, it's, it's our, our teachers and students, actually, that make the decisions about how to modify those structures. Hmm. Could you talk just a little bit about the assessment? Uh, you know, if you're not test-oriented, as, you know, so many public schools are and so many schools are just in general, you know, how do you evaluate your students? Well, we we off we we do offer a standardized test at third grade and fifth grade and eighth grade, and parents have an op- and students have an opportunity to opt out of it. But we do that just because oftentimes the grandmother or grandpa says, "Well, how how are you doing compared to your cousin in the, the local public school?" So, and also we don't want the kids to have test phobia because they, they, many different places in society they're going to have to take tests. So we we try to. Uh, allow them, but it's not used for any kind of um, reward or punishment. It's just purely an assessment and feedback. Then at the high school level, the kids take the PSAT and the SAT as well. So kids do take tests. They also take tests in their classes. But but the assessment is really uh, oriented towards the whole child. So we're not only assessing their academic and intellectual development, but their social-emotional development and their commitment to the whole community. So we do two uh, conferences with the students and parents every year as you know and then more as needed and then we really have a constant uh, flow of information between we only, we only basically have a 1 to 15 student teacher ratio uh, at the high school and then it's go it really at the as parts of the elementary school have as low as a 1 to 11 or 1 to 12 so we're in very very close contact with the parents so it's really a constant almost assessment thing. And now teachers are using, you know, blogs and, and all, sort of, or all sorts of electronic communication with the parents for even more, more daily assessment, so mm-hmm. to speak. Okay. And Denise, the same kind of question for you. About yeah, thanks. And, and I would say, too, we share and approach a lot of the same kind of things Rock talked about in terms of project-based learning, hands-on classes, high interest, uh, teachers working very closely with the students. We have a classroom ratio of 1 to 12. I think where Pinnacle differs is that one in six children are dyslexic, according to a lot of standards and, and, and studies that have been done. And nobody chooses to be dyslexic necessarily, but it's a brain wiring situation. But the kids who are dyslexic have a lot of difficulties with either reading or writing or spelling, and it can impact math and even some social areas. But at the same time, these kids are exceedingly bright. So you have a child that literally has fallen between the cracks in a lot of school settings where they're struggling to keep up with their peers. And so much of a, at least a traditional school environment is text-based and reading and writing-based. So they start to become at a significant deficit and disadvantage when they have a really bright intellect. They can grasp really amazing concepts. And had a child the other day talk to me about how the edges of the universe were moving, you know, really getting into astrophysics here. But yet to try to read that, you know, he couldn't obviously read something about that. So our challenge is always how to make content accessible to them in a way that they can handle and at the same time build those skills and strengths. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of what we do is really geared on that. The assessments that we do are also similar to Harmony, almost ongoing and continuous. And we have a lot of national tests that we use that are more activity and performance-based. 
So we will measure if somebody's up to speed on their reading or math levels or writing levels and are constantly customizing or tweaking the curriculum for that particular child. Mm-hmm. Bob, excuse me, I also wanted to mention though at Harmony, um, Denise and Alec may use this as well, but we use the exhibition process a lot as well. I just wanted to mention that even when kids graduate from kindergarten, sixth grade, eighth grade, and then ultimately twelfth grade, they actually do an exhibit in front of their peers and community members and the faculty where they actually have to defend a, a research project that they've done in depth. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask was you know, Bob's newsroom and ours have done a lot of reporting, especially in the last two to three years, on education funding where it relates to public schools and what the state legislature is doing in terms of funding schools. I'm wondering if your three schools not being publicly funded um, but being funded, as you said, from private donations, grants, tuition, things like that, have faced similar issues that we're seeing in the public school arena in terms of getting money to provide adequate services for all of your students. I mean, I think I'll start with that, and I'm sure their experiences are similar, but just the economy in general, having gone through the contraction it has and the struggles that it's had the last two years, makes it harder. I mean, we have parents who've lost jobs. We have parents who've had been struggling, you know, to pay mortgage, and we have some families having to work a couple jobs to be able to afford the extra amount for tuition. We, of course, are on a sliding scale basis, and I think that's a misperception with a lot of private schools that you just have to come up with the tuition and that's it. So we really try very hard if a child has a need to work with a sliding scale basis. We offer scholarships. But with everybody else, there's, you know, a lot of families have a a certain income, and you have to make that go around and cover lots of things. So I think for all of us, it's a challenge. I think we're fortunate being in this community, people tend to step up and value the resources that are here. So, you know, always are competing with other organizations that are looking for funds, and there are a lot of nonprofits in our community, but yet people are willing to step up and they realize the value of the service to the community and they're willing to help out and do that. It's been tough like everybody else, but at the same time, I think we all offer a valuable option and people realize that and are willing to step up to support that. Um, In our case, at Harmony, we also are on a sliding scale. 80% of our students are on either partial or full scholarships, so nobody's turned away uh, for inability to to be able to pay. And uh, as I said, 80% of the kids are on scholarship. Those are that the way we cover those scholarships is scholarships are through contributions and grants, and those those have stayed pretty steady. We've been we've been able to as our, our enrollment's as high as it's ever been, and um, as I said, the parents, although they've gone through certainly with the economic crisis, we've had parents have had to modify their tuition commitments and that kind of stuff, and no child's ever asked to leave because of an inability to pay, but the. Um, what has, for us, one of the things that's dropped off is, as I said, we do a lot of uh, consulting work on professional learning communities with public schools around the country. That has dropped off quite a bit because public schools have less money throughout the state and throughout the country. And some of the money we generate from that division of Harmony helps provide scholarships for our students. So we have been affected in that way. And we've been pretty fortunate at St. Charles. We are solely tuition-based. Um, we have a really good finance committee. Um, my first year here, um, they made some tough choices and made some tough cuts, um, expecting expecting what has happened over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, we're fortunate, you know, I guess fortunate in the fact that our our enrollment has gone up each and every year that I've been here. And, you know, it, it, I pretty much and subscribe to the philosophy is as long as we have the people here, then we can do the wonderful projects. And then if we don't have the people here, we either raise tuition or we have to to uh, get rid of a project or get rid of something unique that makes our school unique. And fortunately, we haven't been put in that situation. You, you said you have 450 students. So is, that, is that sort of your goal to stay at 450 or have you had more or less in various years? Uh, we... W- w- before I got there, we were in the low 300s. Um, my first year, we were right about 400, and we've, we've gone up 25, almost 25 students per year. Um, and, you know, it's based on, you know, you know how, all of us, how we sell ourselves and what, what do people want. What We all three fill a unique niche. Um, I don't consider either one of these schools a competitor of mine um, be, simply because I'm my school's unique compared to theirs and uh, to their schools. 
Um, I'm fortunate that I'm the only Catholic school in town. So that's you. That's the niche that most people come to my school. So I don't really have to compete with just about anything else. Mm-hmm. Denise? I was just going to add to another piece with that and follow up to your question is that we've had an increase really in demand for tutoring and part-time services because some families just find it difficult. They need the services but might not be able to commit to doing a full-time program. And another impact on that, too, we recently – Listeners may have followed, but Pinnacle was authorized for a $2.1 million federal ARA bond, and we came very close to executing it by the end of the year, but did wind up falling short, and that was part of a difficulty with trying to get enough donations together. So we've gone back to the drawing board. We very much need the space. For the first time since I've been there, we have a waiting list and have really great plans for building some community spaces. We do a lot of collaborations with other community partners and nonprofit organizations. And so we've gone back. We're retooling the plans a little bit and trying to execute a smaller version of that and hoping to do the fundraising in the next few months and, and be able to pull that off. So, But that's been a direct effect of the economy. Okay. Our phone numbers, again, are 855 You can come go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition to join the conversation. We're talking about uh, private education in Indiana. Okay. When it comes to funding pressure on public schools, it largely comes from the state. They say you have to get down to this this point. This is why we just had a referendum in the MCCSC. I wonder if each of you hear from parents and that's where your, you know, your pressure comes from to say we have to contain costs in these areas because otherwise next year my son or daughter won't be able to attend your school or something like that. Do you frequently hear from parents uh, who are the people who kind of are the, the check and balance of how you, you collect and spend money? I'll go and start with that. Um, Not really, uh, because we've been fortunate enough that our tuition hasn't gone up. Um, The first year when we really, the the market started to crash, we, 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 you know, we made the, the, the promise to, you know, the Archdiocese of Indianapolis froze all pay raises and salary increases. So that allowed us to freeze any tuition increase. Uh, you know, our numbers, while they went up a little bit, that was a little bit more money and we could hire more people. Um, but as we, you know, w- we don't have the situation where if we, you know, if we want something, we just got a new gym floor at St. Charles. Um, we had a, it's from donations. You know, we had a, a family who decided that they have children in the public schools and when they were going through all their uh, raising of money for to, to have extracurricular activities, their, their their children are in high school, and they also have children in St. Charles. So they decide they decided we're going to give money to athletics and MCCSC. So we feel obligated to give money to you as well. What's your biggest pressing sports sports need? So that was that that was how we got a new gym floor. I'm sure if um, they said, well, what's your biggest educational need? Then we would have you know we would have geared that money some other way. So. We're fortunate that um, we had, you know, they gave us, you know, twenty five thousand dollars for a gym floor, and we raised the other twenty five thousand dollars in a couple months. We found it as a pressing need, and it was a com- it was a community buy in thing. Um, we didn't just say, okay, this is what we're going to do, and we need the money. We we you know we allowed parents to to contribute whatever they could, and 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 it was it was obviously something that they believed in because it didn't take us long to raise the other money. I think similarly too, we held tuition also, and you know a lot of us have to do that months ahead before you know to look with enrollment. But we also held tuition this year. We had less than a one percent cost of living increase, and yes, it's made it a lot harder for us. The challenge is, at least in our environment, we can't increase our class sizes because it would seriously impair the effectiveness of the programming that we do, which mandates having small classroom sizes. So we have to look at other ways to make adjustments and have actually accelerated some of the new services that we were looking at doing. And through our Pinnacle Learning Services, we're expanding some of our technology services and tutoring that we offer. There's some new software programs we're testing out. And also, we now offer full-service educational testing in partnership with another organization in the community that we weren't able to do before and, and can test anywhere from ages five up through adult and college now. And that's something new that we've added to help alleviate some of the pressure and something that was on the drawing board, but we made it happen faster. Hey, Rock, why don't you hold off on that answer? Uh, we'll get to you and that, that Stan's question in a minute. We have a phone call I want to get to first, and it's another Stan. Stan, go ahead. Hi, thanks. I'd be curious to uh, hear a discussion of all three schools' experience with <clears throat> taking in children 
who are having great difficulty in public schools and the sort of extra tutoring or extra uh, classroom time relationships uh, with a lower ratio of, of students, uh, teacher to students that they experience and, and whether that has been a major factor. Who wants to go first on that one? I'll jump in there all looking at me. I would say with, with that case, and a lot of times, you know, we'll, our students will come in and they've either failed the I-STEP or they're struggling or failed certain classes or they're not reading at grade level or they're having difficulty with math computation. And yes, while the smaller class sizes obviously give the teacher a chance to work more closely with that student, see how they're performing and be able to adjust, I think some of the specialized approaches that all of us use make a difference as well. And whether it's an emphasis on different types of teaching skills or the hands-on project-based learning that a lot of us share. It's the other approaches to education that differ as well, not just the classroom size that I think makes a difference. Rock? At Harmony, um, many of our students start with us when they're five, six, seven years old, and the um, you know they can be with us all the way up through high school graduation. So those kids have a very different kind of experience than kids that come into our programs from, from local public schools. What we have noticed uh, recently, especially at the high school level, is we had quite a few kids apply to Harmony this year um, that had been experienced like bullying-type exp- experiences. And when those kids came to Harmony, and they, they were fairly traumatized. I mean, they were just from a variety of schools, not any one school, and no school is totally immune to those type of things. But at Harmony, we really put a lot of, I mean, because of the, the, the culture there, not so much the class size, but the culture and the, 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 um, the ethos of nonviolence and really a less competitive atmosphere in a lot of different ways, the kids just responded quite rapidly to, to our, uh, our culture and just were able to focus on things that were important to them and not, not be in a, uh, a situation where they felt uh, scared, basically. Uh, before Alec, Rock, I need to sort of address the, the issue. You know, in the what's it, what is it? I do my math. Thirty six, thirty seven years that Harmony's been in existence. I mean, there you you were sort of considered early on, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of the, the local alternative school. And now there are various other alternatives, and through the public schools and you know other you know through New Tech and other alternatives. I mean, has that changed the way the kind of kids that you get coming to you, or the approach that you take? Surprisingly, my, now the teachers may disagree with me. So I'm not you know it's easy for me to say certain things from. That never happens at St. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> from my, it's easy for me to say things from my perspective, but my perspective is that it has not affected us that much. And it, it, as I said, surprisingly, I anticipated that it would more. Um, in some ways, it's increased the interest in um, project-based learning in smaller classroom sizes in a school schools that just puts some less emphasis on testing and. Um, so the, the variety of kids, the diversity that we attract seems to be very consistent with what we've always attracted. Okay. I would agree with Rock, too, that I think parents are probably more educated consumers of education now. And I'm not saying that they weren't in the past, but I think all the attention to the referendum and education and alternatives like New Tech starting up, and it's heightened that conversation. And I think families are more aware of educational approaches and the impacts that those can have and making conscious choices. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of the three of us here this, this afternoon, um, I'm probably the one that's closest to the public school numbers. We, we, we have a ratio of 1 to 25, one teacher to 25 students. And yeah, uh, much like uh, Rock School, um, the majority of the public school kids that come to our school come because something in their family or something has happened in their school that their family is afraid of or is against their own personal beliefs or values. So they consider coming to us. Um, we, we we do have a few students that have come from us from the public school because um, the parents have felt their children have been bullied and 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 we're you know we are in that smaller environment. But I think one thing that makes us you know unique is I I just have a great staff of people. I'm I, I in all my years of public education before I came to St. Charles, 
I'm just stunned at how much extra time my teachers here at St. Charles put in. And I know there's teachers that put in extra time in the public schools all the time. I get it. I understand that. But it's it's to a, a level in my public school experience that I had never witnessed before that I see here at St. Charles. Okay, we, we're going to have to take a short break. Um, we've hit 1230, so you're listening to Noon Edition. We're having a conversation about private schools, and we'll certainly get into some of the things going on in public school uh, politics and policies uh, around the state and the nation after we uh, take this break. You're listening to Noon Edition. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg with the Herald Times, along with Stan Jastrzewski, WFIU's news director. And today we're talking about private education in Monroe County and, and in the broader state of Indiana. Uh, with us in the studio are three uh, representatives of local private schools, Denise Lesso from the Pinnacle School, Alec Mayer, principal at St. Charles, and Rock Bonchek, who is the founder and teacher, and I'm not sure what your title is now, of Harmony School. You can join us by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348, and wfiu.org slash noon edition is our web address. You can go there to join the conversation, send us an email, and uh, just be involved in the program. I want to ask Alec a very quick question before we go on to some other things about, you know, you're a, you're a, a school that has elementary and middle school. Where do your students go after eighth grade? Well, the majority of our students go right here to the public schools. They go to uh, a North or South High School. We just had the counselors from North and South End just the other day, and about 50% of our 8th graders go to North and about 50% go to South. But we do have the occasional. Last year, um, for the first time ever, we brought down uh, the, I guess, the headmasters or the principals from Roncalli High School and Cathedral High School to come down and talk to my parents since, you know, they are not necessarily close, but they're the, the next closest Catholic high school. Um, so, and we did have a family that sent their daughter to Cathedral High School this year, and we have a few families that send their children uh, that live out in the Edgewood, Ellettsville area, so they'll go to Edgewood High School. Okay, all right. Then go to Harmony. Not yet, but we're uh, but, but we're we're communicating with each other and we're talking with each other for the first time in this year about you know they send me information you know regarding open houses and things like this and we send it on to our parents and you know he makes the promise not to not to to, to steal my kids in third grade so but uh I, and also uh we uh work with the headmaster uh Mike Baldomero from Lighthouse Christian Academy and if, you know he, he sends us information so for the parents who stu- who still want a faith-based um high school education then they can go to Lighthouse Christian Academy okay We've had some of our students actually attend Harmony after they've been at Pinnacle and, have, again, found a lot of the approaches, you know, a situation that they find enjoyable and comfortable and they're used to. And then also we have other students who return to North-South or high schools at any of the counties that we work with. And then we also have a relatively new high school options program we're doing in conjunction with the IU High School program here. Mm-hmm. The IU High School program is something that a lot of people don't really mm-hmm. know about. I mean, it's... it's uh, it's an online program? It's a, it mix of online and traditional correspondence, and we've put a new twist on it. We've worked very closely with Bruce Colson, the director, and we actually teach the classes live to provide the additional support that our students would need. But they have the option of choosing from over 110 different classes, and it's, it's all um, done through their curriculum. And so it's state certified, and so those courses will transfer to any other surrounding counties, which helps with our regional approach. Mm-hmm. I got to thinking about it this morning, and I thought that, you know, I was thinking about 
public versus private schools in popular culture and you'll see, you know, bad kids get sent off to private school. And I, I admit I went to large underfunded public schools as a kid and we always sort of, you know, knew people who would go off to the private school in town and we kind of looked at them a little funny after that. How do you avoid what seems to be in some cases a popular stigma about private schools, especially since what each of you does is so specialized in, in different ways. I think for us, um, it's, a, it's a stigma that is, you know, that is hard to overcome. But what we do once we, once we get the families there is we, we, we show them that we're faith-focused. Um, faith is our number one purpose, our number one goal. Um, our kids attend Mass. They have a religion class every day. Um, so that is how we, you know, we don't distinguish between good and bad or high, high scores or low scores. Um, you know, we're all in a situation where we're uh, an enrollment base. You know, the numbers we have allow us to do the things that we do. So, you know, we take just about anybody, um, you know. I think the only time I've ever turned down a student is they only wanted to come for a month. And I was in a grade level where I was pushing the limits. And so that's the only person that the only child that I've turned down. So it's it's hard to overcome that in the public eye. However, once they get in the door, then we can show them that that what makes us unique is faith. And that's what we focus on. I'm sorry you were traumatized. <laughs> I think one of the things, too, we just worked, we had a great collaboration with Jeremy Scher, who's a local songwriter, and Chris Sellers, an animator, and there's a great new little, it's called The Ballad of KC on our website at pinnacleschool.org. You can click on that kind of actually speaks to that, and KC is a character who's dyslexic and found himself in school, and kids were making fun of him, and he didn't have a good experience, and so he goes on, and you'll have to go watch the video, it's three minutes, to go see what happens to him, but it has a good ending. So one of the things that I think is so frustrating for a lot of kids is kids are not the same. And I think we have an obsession in our culture with providing exactly the same experience for everybody. I think Bloomington's more enlightened that way than a lot of other communities in acknowledging that there are individual differences and that the holistic approach will acknowledge that. And not every kid needs exactly the same thing. And so providing that option or that opportunity and allowing somebody to build different strengths, I think, is really important. And, you know, in school, you're expected to be good at everything. What adult do you know that's expected to perform A-level work in every single aspect of every subject area? It's not realistic. I mean, as an adult, you get to choose what you want to do, and you focus on that, and you specialize, and you get good. But yet we expect all of our students to do that. And, you know, that in some cases I think is an unrealistic expectation and causes a lot of stress and anxiety. So I think a lot of kids who come in have self-confidence issues, and I think that's where a lot of the bullying and other behaviors tend to come from, or kids who are over-medicated to get compliant behavior. And so I think a lot of those behaviors, I don't want to speak for my colleagues, but I think fairly certainly a lot of that isn't the case where you have a situation where it's a more family-based community and you feel accepted for who you are and you move forward from there. Mm -hmm. And Stan, in response to your question about the stigma of private versus public, the, the, um, at Harmony, I never, I never call ourselves a private school. I, I, I'm a product of public education myself and it was just happenstance that Harmony ended up being a non-public school as opposed to a public school here in town when we started it way back when. But I like to think of ourselves more as an independent school. And, uh, and that word independence, I mean, just permeates through har throughout the Harmony culture, like I said before, in terms of our assessment, in terms of our, the way we use minutes during the day, the way we structure our calendar during the year, and, and the, uh, the values we're trying to... to um, develop in our students revolve around the concept of independence. At Harmony also, though, since we also operate Rhino's Youth Center, our kids uh, interact a lot with public school kids, the kids from the mm -hmm. public schools, because our kids are over at Rhino's a lot after school. We use it as an extension for Harmony's uh, music and art programs, and it's certainly populated by kids from all the different schools in the community after school. <coughs> we had a caller with a, a comment it's going to lead me into my next question. The caller says that he wants all private schools in the state eliminated from the Indiana High School Athletic Association because they recruit. Now, there, there are no pinnacle uh, sports teams, no harmony sports teams. St. Charles does have middle school sports, right? And Correct. Elementary sports. Um, but, you know, this, so this caller just had this comment. I want to mention that. I want to take that on to 
a different question. You know, in public schools, you do have these cliques of you've got the jocks that are into sports and you've got the arts students that are into arts or band and you've got the goths and whatever they call people now because I'm not cool enough to know. But do you find in your schools that there are certain groups of kids that stick together or are you small enough and community-based enough that, that it, it is an entire community as opposed to something that gets a little cliquish? I think in at St. Charles, uh, per grade level, we limit 50 students per grade level. That's two classrooms of 20, 25. Um, not all classes are at that level, so some of them are even smaller. I think my eighth grade class this year is at 39. There's not room for clicks. There's just no time. For, I mean, there's not, there's not enough students for clicks. Um, do we have our you know our issues? And these people hang out together. Sure, we all we all have those. We're all going to have those. But I don't think in any uh, stretch of the imagination are we you know the 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 jocks and the the goths and the you know I mean we're we're a community and they all they all work together. They're going to have to work together sometime. And you know they're very project. My especially in middle school, they're very project oriented. Um, they do a lot of small group work, so you'll work with everybody eventually. So they just, you know, they all just know to get along. And at Harmony, since as I said, our age range is from eighteen down to three year olds. Um, certainly, the interaction between all the different ages is one thing that's really unique to Harmony. In the afternoon, the morning classes are are divided up pretty much by traditional grade levels, but in the afternoon. You'll have older kids teaching classes to younger kids, volunteers from the community, elementary school, teachers teaching classes to high school and middle school kids. So so that's one way that the cliques get avoided and broken up. But, I, you know, I echo what Alex said. And we are, we're a small community. And um, I, I don't think, especially at the high school level, we're, or at the secondary level, middle school and high school, where cliques become a more serious issue with those different groups that you were describing, Bob, um, we just don't see that at Harmony anywhere near the extent that you would see it in a traditional mm-hmm. school. And again, I, I also hesitate to, like when I say tradi- – I didn't say a traditional public school because you can have traditional private schools as well where you'll see cliques. You, and you can see non-traditional public schools like something like New Tech in our community and, and the Project School, which is a, a public school. So I think we just have to be careful not to – just draw that dichotomy between private and public education because there's non-traditional private education, there's traditional private education, and, and, and the same same uh, area differences in public education. I'm glad you brought up the idea of the the different ways of teaching, and I wanted to know, I guess primarily from from Steve and Alec, uh, when it comes to teachers who don't require special training to teach students with with uh, learning challenges. Do you look for different types of educators, do you think, for your schools than the MCCSE might for, for its schools? Are you looking for different skill sets, different talents, different personalities, things like that? Well, I've, since I was 24, I've been at Harmony School. So I've really never been on the end of hiring somebody for the MCCSE. So all I can talk about is – so I don't know exactly what, what process they go through. What we go through, though, is you know, we are looking for a, a different – a, a person that sort of hears the beat of a different drummer. Um, you know, somebody, when Alec was talking about the commitment and dedication of his faculty, we're, you know, we're certainly looking for people that are comfortable. Before the term 24-7 was thrown around, that was what we, you know, we used to use the Christmas song, we know when you're sleeping, we know when you're awake. And we're looking for people that are comfortable both working with kids in the the academic realm and that social-emotional realm. And... Um, so I don't know if it's different than what other schools are looking for. I just know what we're looking for. But, but we, the teachers are going to be – we tell young people coming in Harmony that they're going to be – they're not going to be anonymous. They're going to be – every student's going to be known and known well, maybe more, more than they want to be sometimes. You know? <laughs> and, and the family's going to be known and known well as well. But, but the reciprocal is true. We tell them that you're going to know the, teacher, the teachers are going to be known and known well. So when we're hiring a teacher – we want them to be a person that knows, you know, that they represent the school wherever they are and, um, you know, are they're going to be known very well. So we're looking for somebody who's comfortable in that, with that kind of relationship with the families and students. Does that mean you care about more about, you know, how they're going to teach and what their knowledge base is rather than, for instance, do they have an education degree from Indiana University, something like that? Well, yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah. I mean, we, 
we are, are just as interested in both. Most of our teachers end up having coming out of schools of education because there's not that many schools like Harmony around. So people that want to teach are going to try to keep their options open. But we uh, we do have teachers that aren't haven't gone through school of education. Some of, some of our best teachers are those folks as well. But we do a lot of work with the school of education, and some of those people take continuing education courses to upgrade their skills. So. I think for us, um, we are a state accredited school, so we do have uh, certain requirements that we have to follow. That have to you know, in order for us to keep our accreditation, our teachers have to have some sort of education degree now um, in the preschool areas and the media areas and things like that. I mean, there are a few teachers in our building that don't have the specific, I have a degree in education. Um, I went to an education school somewhere, but they are much like uh, Steve's school. They are professionals in their in, in their trade and the fact that they go get some sort of professional development some sort of training to help keep that up to keep the you know to keep them you know up to date on the newest technologies and and the newest forms of teaching and i think that's what makes them unique in our school because they they almost have to do it and it allows them to constantly you know find the new technologies and find the new the new ways of doing things um, where um, some, you know, the teachers with life licenses and the teachers that, you know, have the long tenure and things like that, they don't often, they don't have to go back and get those, uh, learn those new technologies. They can just do it the way they want to. And I, so I think at uh, St. Charles and probably like Pinnacle and, and Harmony, we, we encourage our teachers to go get some sort of professional development all the time. And. I know you would address them. I just want to hit that point. There's a misperception that my entire school is staffed by special education teachers, and it's actually not the case. And one of the things that I've been in education for almost 30 years, and I have a real pet peeve with the way elementary education in particular is organized, I don't think that any one teacher can provide the depth of expertise in a whole range of subjects. And so the way we've organized our day, everybody in my elementary program teaches language and math because we feel those are skills that undergird everything, and those are constantly emphasized throughout the day, even in other subject areas. But beyond that, my teachers are subject specialists. So one of my elementary teachers has a background in social studies and history and does those classes for everybody. Another one does my engineering class. Another one does our fitness program. So it ranges. We have one for cooking. So there are people who have expertise or interests or hobbies in those areas as well as certifications and I feel it gives a lot greater depth of subject area and because our students are so intensely interested in a lot of topics it gives them that extra area especially in science or technology where there's a lot of specialized information they're able to keep up they're able to join those professional organizations and really provide that depth of experience to a child that they might not be able to do if they were a generalist so we have that kind of approach to it. And with the accreditation component, I figure you're going to go there anyway, but we're doing the Baldrige approach to accreditation right now, which is an alternative program that you can do through the state. But while a lot of people view accreditation as a really key piece, there are also a lot of strings attached to it in terms of having to do certain types of testing or having to have a nurse's office a certain size or an, a library that's more traditional, which while it's changing, it takes a lot of time for those things to change. So we enjoy the fact that we self-impose a lot of standards and new certified folks. And I did PL221 as a consultant for a long time, but at the same time, I value the flexibility and the freedom to have the program change to meet the needs of the students and take advantage of the fact that my faculty are experts in their area and professionals and bring a lot to the table. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811, wfiuorg slash noon edition. If you want to go to the website, we only have about 10 minutes to go. Um, I do want to give all of you the opportunity to sort of weigh in on what you see in the national debate about educating our young people. I mean, national and state. I think it's fair to say in Indiana, Governor Daniels and Tony Bennett have had a very aggressive agenda for uh, maybe shaking up the way public education is delivered um, nationally. Um, you know, Barack Obama and his Secretary of Education, Arne Duncan, have have uh, some similar approaches. You know, from your perspective, you know, delivering education in a, a way that's different from the public schools, are these folks on the right track, the wrong track? Where are they on the right track? Where are they on the wrong track? Well, I guess I'll start that one. Um, 
we're in a situation uh, where, you know, I always kind of look at the media as, you know, we get information out quickly. We get out information out quickly. We get out information out quickly. However, the change that it involves that they're asking for or that they're pushing for is not something that you can just flip a switch much like you can getting out information. Um, I think much like um, Denise says, you know, every child's going to learn something in a different way. And it's it's finding those ways and finding those niches um, that make schools like us successful, that make schools like us, you know, when parent, more and more parents are doing their research, we're going through a program at my school called Catholic Schools Management. And one of the stunning, uh, most stunning facts that I heard when we were going through the introduction process is most mothers have made the decision on which school their child's going to go to before their child is three years old. Um so that tells me they're getting out and getting research and getting more information, which when I was a youngster, this was, uh, once again, a product of public school. This is the school district that I lived in. This is the school that you go to. This is the middle school you go to. And this is the high school you go to. So I think what parents are looking for is they're, they're, they're starting to assess the way their children learn. And then they're looking for that niche, that school that will hopefully um, best help their child get the education that they need to be successful in this world. Um, I do think some of the, the the dreams and aspirations of, you know, all kids will go to college. I think, I, I, I think that's, uh, while it's a dream and I, it's a wonderful dream, I, I don't know that that's necessary, necessarily a reality. You know, I, I always talk about my brother-in-law who's got a high school education and he makes more money than my wife and I combined you know, uh, with, and we have three college education or three college degrees between the two of us. And he makes more than both of us combined. And, and the reason he's so successful is because he, he went to a company right out of high school and he worked 40, 60, 80 hours a week and proved that he had some leadership skills and leadership ability. And they finally moved him up the ranks and now he's running a company in Ohio. So, um, you know, it's finding that niche and finding where are we going to go? How can we be successful? There's, there's, there's ways for people to be successful other than education. I just think the, the media is scaring people to the point where you're not going to get anywhere without it. And I have a brother-in-law that's living proof that you can. And uh, related to your question in terms about the, what's going on in the state and the country and, and locally here as well, you didn't include the local situation in your question. You know, I applaud the interest in education. I mean, that the national federal administration and the governor, I mean, something has to happen, obviously. I mean, while everybody may not have to go to college, like Alec was talking Mm -hmm. about, certainly a high school diploma is, you know, vital, imperative. And and feeling safe as an adolescent, just making it through adolescence is is a very, is a top priority. And so, so, you know, with the schools, many of the public schools in the country being as unsafe as they are and getting the results that they are in terms of the dropout rate, I mean, obviously something has to change. So I applaud everybody trying these different ideas. In terms of whether they're on the right or wrong track, only time will tell. I think one of the biggest challenges is, is, not, is, is, the, is not being able to stick with some of these reforms for a, a long enough period of time to really see if they're going to work because what happened in Washington, D.C. recently where that was you know, some of the most radical experiments in edu- public education were going on there. And then when the mayor got voted out of office, that all changed. Uh, and I'm not saying it was right or wrong by any means what was going on there, but, but it just was only three years or something, and then now the superintendent's gone and all that. And there's much about it that I fully don't understand. I mean, it's very complicated with the unions, obviously, and, the, you know, and I don't think you can generalize the unions. I mean, there's at least two or three different teacher unions across the country, and none of our schools participate in that. So, again, it's, it's, a, different, it's a different dynamic, and I think it's just really complicated. I applaud people willing to take on the challenge. And I was just going to say the local situation here. I just think it's a fascinating uh, – I mean, Harmony School, I talk about the term independence related to Harmony, and I haven't talked about the democratic ethos at Harmony. Democracy is a very big part of Harmony. And I think what we're seeing locally here is a fascinating uh, uh, demonstration of democracy in action. I mean, we have challenges to the way the school boards operate, and you have you know, the, um, the referendum itself. And so 
it's an exciting time for education. Certainly, is none of our jobs are boring, and I'm, <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show and talk about some of the issues. I think, you know, real briefly, I think the emphasis on standards is a good intention, but I think a lot of times in practice, some of the intention gets lost in terms of efficiencies and testing, and we could probably have a whole other show about that, and welcome the governor's and Tony Bennett's emphasis on reading, but find that, again, it, a lot of the translate gets lost in the translation, and, and particularly with our area, special education legislation needs to be revised, and a lot of times it hampers the ability to provide services to students experiencing some difficulties. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess a follow-up to that question is, how is this affecting each of your schools, so much focus uh, on education reform? Well, as I said earlier, I think, again, I say surprisingly because I ne- didn't necessarily anticipate it, but the locally the, the um, experiments in education reform, so to speak, seems to have increased the interest in schools like ours. And um, and I, I certainly hope that continues. Mm-hmm. And I say, too, I welcome the conversation. I think we're able to take information that would take 10 to 15 years to filter down through normal channels. And we took some research that came out six months ago and have applied it to our testing process. Mm-hmm. So I think we can be more responsive and flexible. Okay. Alex, short answer. We have less than a minute. Uh, m- m- much like Steve, I think, uh, you know, we're, we were fortunate enough, um, you know, I hate to, to – to be fortunate on you know our our community's um, referendum and 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 things like that, but we are part of this community, so you know we we, we do our best to to help out in the community as best we can. But uh, we did uh, see some enrollment increase once MCCSE made their cuts and before they had their referendum passed. So um, you know we're always here to help, and we're we're, we're welcome we're we're welcoming to the community and help out as best we can. All right, I want to thank Stan Jastrzewski for being here and joining me today, and I want to thank our guest Denise Lesso. Alec Mayer and Rock Bonchek from Pinnacle St. Charles and Harmony, respectively. And uh, for engineer uh, Mike Pashkash and engineer John Shelton, who both were here, and producer Dan Goldblatt, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.